as artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore, AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing. They're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us go to gigantic.is that's gigantic.is and save your seat for our january cohort your potential is gigantic and we're here to help you reach it go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today welcome to the rocket ship podcast i'm matt goldman I'm Joelle Steiniger. And I'm Michael Saka. Today we talk to the Managing Director, Ryan Cooter of Qualcomm Robotics Accelerator, powered by Techstars. Guys, what'd you think? I thought it was amazing to learn about all the, the robotic stuff that's going on kind of in the same industry as us, but also parallels. Um, there's a lot changing right now. There's a ton of opportunity, and Ryan is just at the front of it, and they're working with great companies. Yeah, it's really fun to kind of open your mind a little bit and think about what things are going to look like. You know, he was describing looking out the window and seeing a bunch of drones going by, delivering food and packages and infrastructure that would be needed to control, um, you know, the safety of all that stuff. And 
it's just fun to kind of daydream and, and listen to all the fun things that are going on there. All right, let's get into it. We'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Hover makes purchasing and managing your domain simple and easy. This week, I talked to George Diab of Working On about why he uses Hover. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I've been using it for a long time. Probably 2012, I think. I love it. It's yeah. The prices are great. The interface is awesome. And um, I still have a few uh, domains out in, in some other places. And it, it's, I'm just waiting to find some time and I'll move them all to Hover. I love nice. it. Yeah. Go to Hover.com and use the code SATISFIEDCUSTOMERS to get 10% off your domain purchase today. CodeShip is a hosted continuous delivery service focusing on speed, security, and customizability. You can set up continuous integration in a matter of seconds and automatically deploy when your tests have passed. CodeShip supports both your GitHub and Bitbucket projects, and you can get started with CodeShip's free plan today. Should you decide to go with a premium plan, you can save 20% off of any plan for the next three months by using code ROCKETSHIP. Go to CodeShip.com slash ROCKETSHIP and check it out. Kind of introduce us to the, the Qualcomm Robotics Accelerator powered by Techstars. Uh, sure, the Qualcomm Robotics Accelerator powered by Techstars um, is a program that's designed to help early stage robotics companies get their start. Um, it includes uh, a little bit of capital, uh, a lot of really intense mentorship. Uh, we're going to be bringing 10 fantastic entrepreneur or entrepreneurial teams uh, with early stage robotics companies out to San Diego for the summer, uh, where we're going to provide them with a really intense mentor driven program that's designed to get things going for them. How, um, like, are these robotics companies that have extensive experience in robotics or are these people that recently are, are even just interested in robotics or have some very early like Arduino experience in, in robotics? Uh, it, it tends to be the former, right? Um, you know, when you start talking about people who are deciding to build a business in building robots, it's typically something that they've got experience in. And we're very fortunate through the application process to get to meet a lot of really fantastic entrepreneurs who are just, you know, exceptionally brilliant, uh, you know, uh, not just from, you know, their, their PhDs from top universities, but also from the way that they look at the world, the way they see the problems around the world, uh, and the types of solutions that they're dreaming up to go ahead and solve those problems. So you mentioned before that you were looking through like a hundred applications um, and you said there were some trends that were that were emerging as you went through these um, to pick ten companies. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, we were actually looking at like hundreds, hundreds of applications, okay. right? We, we we looked at a lot of startups, and and going into this, one of the big questions that we were asking is, what's a robot? Mm. Um, and, and you know, you've got C three PO and R two. Um, and a shout out to the new droid BB-8 who was created by uh, some Techstars alums. Yeah. Um, and so you've got kind of like those robots that sense the world around them. They physically interact with their environment. They, are, uh, they, they make decisions for themselves. Um, but one of the things that we saw is we saw two other categories of startups that were really emerging uh, predominant. And one of those is kind of technologies that are designed to go on the robots. And these could be motors, actuators, sensors, positioning systems. Uh, these are the types of technologies that enable robots to do the things that they do. And then the third big category that we saw emerging from this pool of applicants was um, uh, robotic 
infrastructure, right? You can imagine that, you know, over the last hundred years, we've developed highway systems and gas stations and, you know, now electric charging stations. Uh, and as you think, you know, a few years into the future, when we start looking at economies that are um, driven by or at least inhabited by robots, there's a lot of infrastructure that doesn't yet exist. And so that was a, a really interesting thing for us to see, which is um, those types of things that are adjacent to the actual robots themselves. How do you build businesses around um, infrastructure for an industry that hasn't even, you know, is just starting to take off? Yeah, you know, there's a couple things that I think that are really critical there. Number one is, is that you have to have a good frame of reference to um, understand where things have been and where things are going. Going And, uh, you know, we start talking about robots. Industrial robots have been around for a while, right? Commercial robots have been around for a right. you know, reasonable amount of time. We're still just at the very cusp of starting to move into consumer robotics. And so a lot of it is really, um, you know, having some sort of vision about what what this world will look like. Here's an example. Uh, when you go to the beach today and you look up in the sky, you see exactly zero drones. Occasionally, you'll go and you'll see one flying around or following somebody or doing a droney. Mm-hmm. Well, you can imagine that a couple years from now, once you have a drone and I have a drone and my neighbor has a drone <laughs> and there's drones following your kids around and there's lifeguard drones, like all of a sudden there's all these drones that are in the sky now and there's uh, pending FAA regulations and whatnot. But there's... <laughs> All kinds of things that need to happen. There's collision avoidance systems that need to be there. There's tracking systems that need to be there. There's recharging systems that need to be in place. There's all these yeah. things that go into a world like that. Like when you start thinking about drones doing package delivery, right? Well, you know, you've got limited range on these things right now. And so when you start to think that way, self-driving cars are going to require a different type of infrastructure than human driving cars. Um, and so when you start to think about as these things progress, what could they look like? Uh, that's where the entrepreneurs are finding opportunities uh, to get in and work on being the companies that are establishing a lot of this infrastructure. So is a lot of that just speculative at this point? Like, are people putting a lot of effort into companies on a speculative level? Like, this is what it could look like, and if it does, this is what's needed? Well, I would say that the nature of startups is highly speculative, right? Um, you know, when you look at the startups that really break out, they come in and they uh, look for a tractable problem that has, you know, the potential to be incredibly large. And the ones that are, you know, the, the, the unicorns or whatever you want to call them, uh, are the ones who take a look at that problem and recognize that the scope of that problem is actually a lot broader than anybody sees currently. Uh, and I think that when you talk about uh, robotics and infrastructure, like, you know, I'm looking out of a window right now and I see exactly zero robots, right? Um, but as we think, you know, down the road a little bit, like I, I'm, I'm sitting here in a little corporate office park, you know, there will be robots that are delivering food, right? There will be packages that are being dropped off. There will be uh, robot janitors that are going about their business cleaning the offices at the end of the day. Uh, And so if you imagine what that world looks like, uh, you start to be able to wrap your head around a lot of opportunities that come with being part of what goes into building that world. So you had mentioned um, before when you were doing a presentation in Las Vegas that you guys were still trying to answer the question, what is a robot? Yeah, have you gotten any closer to that answer as you've gone through this process and looked at these companies? 
You know, it's funny. When we were kids and we'd sit around and we'd watch the Jetsons, we're like, oh, hey, look, it's Rosie, right? Right. <laughs> you know, she rolled around and she like reached into the hole in the wall and pulled out a meal and all of that business. And um, I, I think that the... The question, what is a robot, is one that there's, you know, there's almost as many answers as there are people okay. or robots. Yeah. Um, and for us, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things where if you put too much definition around it, what it does is it creates kind of an artificial constraint. And, and that was one of the things that, um, you know, like I said, as we, as we looked through all these applications, we looked at everything that was doing, like our big question was, do you think that what you're doing is something that's the field of robotics? Um, I think everybody has like a vision in their head about what a robot looks like. And a lot of that currently comes from sci-fi. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that, that all of these robots have in common. One is their ability to sense what's going on in the world around them, right? That's key. They got to know where they are, what they see, uh, you know, kind of like what their environment looks like. There is some capacity for decision-making. Sometimes this is semi-autonomy. Sometimes it's full autonomy. Um, but, the, but those robots have the ability to make decisions for themselves that don't constantly, it's not like a remote control car that only does what its driver tells it to. Uh, and lastly, uh, is this ability to interact physically with their environment. Um, and this, you know, typically this is some kind of mechanical interaction. Um, where you start to get into some really interesting kind of philosophical questions about what is a robot is, uh, you know, the Nest thermostat, for example. It senses the world around it. It makes decisions, uh, and then it changes the temperature. It doesn't necessarily do it mechanically, but, you know, is Nest a robot? You know, like reasonable people could debate the pros and cons of that statement. Um, and so, you know, that was kind of one of those things where, for us, and I think for a lot of people who are working right here, I think that adopting a, um, a you know an open attitude towards being able to look at and evaluate all of the different ideas and problem sets and solutions is something that's going to be useful as we move forward. Is there a big open source uh, space around robotics? You know, when you look at starting a company now, the speed of doing it and the cost is so low compared to how it was five, ten years ago. Yes, is that? the same way with robotics or is everything starting over from scratch? No, it's getting there, right? It's certainly not where it was, but there are, you know, like um, open source operating systems like ROS, um, you know, open source hardware is kind of one of those things that's difficult, but there are a couple of things like, you know, over the last 10 years, like you mentioned, um, you know, when it comes to starting a software company, like the costs have dropped, they plummeted. So it's, it's close to zero, right? You and I could go home tonight come up with an idea, write some code, and have an MVP launched tomorrow at a cost that's very close to zero, right? I'd have to sign up for our, you know, Apple developer's license or whatever. Uh, hardware hasn't quite gotten there yet, but there are certain trends that are emerging in the marketplace that I think make it a lot easier for those early-stage companies, right? Uh, one is um, early prototyping using uh, 3D printing and things like that. Um, you know, I don't have to ship stuff out and have it machined anymore. I could, I could print it in my garage or my den if I've got a 3D printer, which in a lot of cases are less than a thousand bucks. Um, there is the emergence of kind of like the shared maker spaces. So, for example, here in San Diego, uh, if I need a, a CNC or a plasma cutter or, you know, God knows what that I don't have in my garage, uh, you know, for a small monthly membership fee, I can have access to that type of equipment. Um, there are... Uh, companies that are focusing on building hardware components that you can use to build robots. And I think one of the most interesting things that's, that's sprung up over the last couple of years in terms of enabling um, these hardware companies is the emergence of a crowdfunding model. Um, basically, it allows 
allows you to go out and fund your early production runs from customers, um, which does a couple of things for you. Number one is it allows you to go out and run 500 or 1,000 units um, without having to go out and raise capital you know, in a traditional route from a VC. Uh, and by doing so, it gives a lot more flexibility in those early stages to go out and kind of like work on finding that product market fit, right? Get your product in the hands of some early adopters who are fans and get some good feedback so that before you go out and start tooling up, uh, you know, you're able to have a lot of really good intelligence about what it is that people are reacting to with your product. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of the same methodologies from software you can take into hardware, um, which is is great. You know, you you learn these skills and you gotta find your, your how you're gonna make money. Yeah. Um, how are you guys approaching? Because hardware is slightly different in its distribution than software. Um, have you guys done any exploration on how do you take these products to market? Like, is it Kickstarter or you know how do you approach on the B two C side? Well, you know, the interesting thing about it is, is that every company is different, right? Okay. And, and just like with software, like, you know, the process of discovering your distribution channels is just that, right? It's a process. It's, you know, you run experiments, you figure out who your customers are. Uh, you know, when you're doing your product market fit, like just like in software, you're pivoting on product, you're also pivoting on market. Um, and, and so the, the, the process, I think, is similar, um, the distribution itself is different, right? Like I can't drop a link on Twitter and boom, you have a robot uh, yet. Um, but <laughs> maybe, uh, soon, like, yeah. like, maybe who knows, right? Like <laughs> the, there, there's actually like printers that will print circuits now in addition to like, I saw you, know, that. So you, yeah. you like put it in your living room and, you know, put a circuit onto whatever. You, so like not too far down the road, maybe. Yeah. Um, and so I think that really the key thing for entrepreneurs that are working in the space is to treat understanding distribution as an experiment, just like we do when we do software startups. What, when it comes to selecting those 10 companies, what kind of set them apart um, from the rest that made you want to enter them into this first round of this really exciting robotics program? Yeah, you know, at Techstars, um, you know, we run accelerators around the world uh, and you know hundreds of companies have gone through the program and so collectively Techstars has um, you know a really terrific um, kind of institutional memory for what make great founders mm. um, when we couple that with the experience that Qualcomm has technically in the robotics space for the Qualcomm robotics accelerator what we really what we really get is is we get um, a heavy focus on the team, uh, as the primary thing that we look for, and you know, we, it's it's not really a joke, but we talk about the fact that when we evaluate companies, uh, we've got six criteria, and in order, they are team, team, <laughs> team, market, progress, and idea, um, and, and that really plays out here. You know, the the founders who we talked to uh, have terrific technical backgrounds. They're builders. They're makers. They've built things in the past. Um, they've identified uh, a, a large market, a huge market. Um, and they've come up with a unique and novel way uh, to provide a solution to that market using robotics. And so, um, you know, when we think about those early stage startups and what we look for, it's really the entrepreneur uh, and and, their, and that team, that founding team, um, both from a uh, kind of a, uh, their ability to, to solve problems as well as their technical ability in order to be able to build. 
is there something specifically that you're looking for in the team? Because you know we've we've talked to tech stars folks before, and that's always one of the highest rated things they're looking for. Um, but as you go down the line of you know starting and growing a company, there's certain things you have to do, like growing out your team. Um, how do you identify if these makers are going to be able to handle the stress and the load of of growing a company? You know that's a that's a really tough question. Um, and I don't know if you can know, like if you, if you could absolutely know, right? Like investing would be a lot easier because you'd have like a binary, uh, a binary uh, judgment call on, on a particular entrepreneur, on a particular team. But I think there's things that can, you know, tip you off, right? What have they done previously, right? Are there, are there things in their history that have indicated that? Uh, you know, the other time, when you sit down with somebody and you talk to them and you spend a lot of time and you get to know them and you start to understand their vision and you understand the, their understanding of their own challenges, right? Um, I think that there is a recognition of a certain kind of self-awareness, where you understand what you're good at, you understand what you're not good at, and you've got uh, you know, a well-thought-out idea to fill those gaps. Um, and, and I think that uh, you know, when you look at entrepreneurs who are successful, right, they understand those things well. They, they are not delusional about what they can and cannot do, uh, and they approach it very pragmatically. right? They, they know that I've got to hire these particular people to do these particular things that I'm just not good at, uh, and I'm going to need to be good at those things in order to be, to be successful. And when you talk about that future planning, you, know, you always say, oh, here, hire people smarter than you and things like that. I don't necessarily know that it's hire people who are smarter than you, but it's hire people who are able to complement your weaknesses such that it mitigates them as uh, uh, as definitely as possible. Yeah, that's um, it's it's actually key, and I, I like the way that you put that. You know, because hiring people smarter is so general, but it is true that you need to fill your own gaps. Um, there's a lot of talk about um, AI and a lot of fear even about AI. Yeah. Um, I'd love to hear kind of your take on a, a lot of the conversation that was happening. Elon Musk came out um, yeah. with a very famous article saying we need to be careful here. Yeah. Um, you know, where do you guys kind of stand on, on some of that? Uh, well, first of all, there's no you guys. Uh, or oh, so you, I, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't think that there's a, a you guys consensus on anything because it hasn't happened yet, right? right? And right. in advance of anything happening, I think a lot of it is speculative. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to preface this by saying, uh, you know, there are a lot of people who do a lot of really hardcore work in artificial intelligence from an academic perspective, from a research perspective, from a practitioner's perspective, uh, and I'm not that guy. Um, I do believe that we are uh, kind of like sitting at the precipice of a tremendous opportunity, right? And I, I think that if you look at the rate of change of technology over the last couple of years, what we see is uh, we see technology advancing, but we see the rate of change getting faster and faster and faster. Um, and that rate of change as it accelerates and we project out couple years into the future, or 20 years into the future, or 50 years into the future, uh, what I believe that we will see is we will see a rate of change that become, it gets to the point where, you know, it's changing so fast that we don't even recognize that it's changing anymore. And, you know, this is that, that, that point in time known as a singularity where everything uh, basically goes vertical. Um, what happens then? God, I got no idea, but I'll tell you what, it is incredibly exciting to be able to see the talent 
and the intelligence and the thoughtfulness that these entrepreneurs that we have the, the, the great fortune of being able to get to know uh, are approaching those types of things with. Um, and if we look back even just a few years, think about the, the very first Roomba that came out. It wasn't all that smart, right? Right. <laughs> Roombas, uh, like, we had one for a little while, but it couldn't figure out that we had fringes on our rug and it ripped up. We don't have a Roomba anymore. <laughs> but Roombas have gotten much, much smarter. And you know, if you look at kind of like what that first generation Roomba looks like just a couple of years ago, even till today, uh, when we look at robotic startups that are happening now, I think it's important to recognize that what we're really looking at is we're looking at a lot uh, of kind of like first drafts, right? First ideas, first iterations, and that these iterations over time are going to evolve. And they're going to evolve in a lot of ways that it's going to be hard to see. And feedback from markets, feedback from customers, um, advances in technology, these are all going to be things that feed into that. So uh, personal opinion, I'm excited about it. I think that we've got a tremendous opportunity. I certainly think that um, collectively as a community that's working in this space, um, you know, there's some very valid points to be made with regards to uh, proceeding carefully. Um, but I think that the, the upside that we're looking at here, uh, you know, from a society is tremendous. Awesome. Yeah. So where do we, how do we keep up with this first class um, that's going to come through? I believe it starts in May. Yep. Um, and where do we, we keep up with you online? Well, uh, the first class is going to be announced uh, towards the end of May. The Qualcomm Robotics Accelerator powered by Techstars kicks off uh, kind of like that last week uh, and runs through September. Um, you can find us online at qualcommaccelerator.com. Uh, you can follow uh, Techstars Robotics at TS underscore robotics. Uh, and you can follow me at, at Ryan Cooter. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ryan. Well, you guys, it's been a, a total pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm. And be sure to check out our app discount section where we have discounts on products that we use every day, like Woo Themes, Wistia, Treehouse. Go to rocketship.fm forward slash essentials and get your discounts today. Mm-hmm.